Hello everyone and welcome back to Pass the Salts. Today is episode number 26 and if you haven't listened to the first 25 episodes, I can already tell you what the rest of your day is going to look like. It's going to be looking like listening to 25 episodes of Pass the Salt. <laughs> um, we're glad you're here with us. If we haven't ever met before, my name is Chrisanna and I work with Salt and Light Youth Ministry and we're excited you're here. So today's episode is really for anyone. Um, usually our episodes are either for students, for parents, or for people who work in ministry, maybe youth leaders, worship leaders, pastors. Um, and yeah, today's episode's for anyone, but I would say it's geared um, towards people who work in ministry, um, specifically pastors, youth pastors, worship leaders, volunteers. Um, if you are someone who works in ministry, this might be helpful to you because today's guests, I say plural because we have two guests, are two incredible people who I don't think anyone on salt in the salt and light world would know because they are from uh, the Jersey Shore. They're from Ocean City, New Jersey. Their names are Pastor Jim and his wife Wendy and they also happen to be my uncle and my aunt and I was visiting them this uh, past week and I really wanted to talk to them for the podcast because their story is really um, interesting and they actually didn't share their full story, um, but I would love for them to sometime. I think Uncle Jim and I were talking after the podcast, it'd be fun to have a second conversation because basically he worked in ministry for a really long time. He started out as um, kind of like on the board of directors of a church and then ended up going to seminary and becoming a pastor and was a youth pastor and his wife was um, like working alongside of him in the ministry and then um, in 2016 they ended their time in church ministry and he went into working in hospice so we were talking about how neat it would be to have a conversation just about hospice care because that's a really uh, interesting and like complex field similar to the social work episode there's probably a lot of stereotypes or misconceptions about that but that's not what today's episode is about so hold on to that for another time in the future. Today's episode is all about things that we wish um, we could tell our younger selves. <laughs> um, basically, what I wanted to talk to them about was what you wish you knew going into ministry and what you wish you could have done differently or could have been prepared to, to know or understand um, as you look back on all the years of church leadership that you had. So if you're someone who's considering going into ministry, maybe you're a high school or college student and you feel this tug on your heart to maybe pursue becoming a youth pastor or a pastor, this is a really interesting episode for you. Maybe you're someone who loves your pastor or your youth pastor. This is a really interesting episode for you because it talks about maybe what their experience is like in ministry that you might not have ever considered before. Uh, maybe you're a parent and your kids are, you know, you're trying to have them involved in church. You're trying to involve yourself in church. This is a really interesting episode for you talking about, you know, things that are important to know when you're a part, any part of ministry, breaking down misconceptions, breaking down um, the complexities with working in church. Um, 
it's just, it's really important for all of us, I think, to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And today's episode will put yourself in the shoes of a pastor. And um, besides Pastor Emily, who's the campus pastor at Messiah University, I don't think I've interviewed a pastor yet. So this is pretty exciting um, to talk to someone with that past, those years of pastoral experience. Um, and their daughter, my cousin, was sitting next to us, but she didn't answer any questions on the microphone. But it's she's just as valuable a part of this interview because children um, whose parents are in ministry, they it's a big part of their life too and we talk about that so I think you'll find this really interesting I use that word about 700 times now so that's great um but let's get to it you guys let's pass the salt don't make me laugh okay are you guys ready? No. Okay, you ready? Oh my gosh, you scared me. <clears throat> Thank you for um, letting me talk to you today and pass the salt with you. That's the name of the podcast. I don't even know if I told you that. Yeah. But I have in front of me two wonderful people. <laughs> You're making me laugh. Their names are Jim and Wendy, and they are also my aunt and uncle, so there's a little bit of nepotism here. But the reason I'm interviewing them is because they have been in ministry for a really long time, and we were talking about, (laughs) we've been talking about all weekend I've been visiting them, what we could discuss, and what we landed on was talking today about what you wish someone had told you when you started out in ministry (laughs) so many years ago and so we came up with these questions together to figure out like what you wish these are things that you wish people would have told you so hopefully anyone listening who is a student or is young in their work in ministry can be encouraged by these like things to look out for and things to consider as you pursue or think about pursuing ministry. So before we get into all that, could you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, like who you are and just an overview of what you've done in ministry and in your lifetime? <laughs> yeah, we um, we started out at, at church in 1988 before we had any children, just going as uh, churchgoers. And we were, I was in business, my wife was in business, and we started to, you know, attach ourselves to a lot of the folks there. And then as I grew in my faith, I ended up becoming a, uh, a deacon. I was working with the junior high and the senior high uh, youth programs. And eventually I went back to school, uh, got my bachelor's in Bible from Liberty uh, because I wanted to be a more effective uh, one-on-one evangelist. So I had fitness centers and a lot of people came in. Uh, and came and went and I would put scripture on my sign on the main road and people would come and ask me like hey what does JN dot dot 316 what does that mean and it would give an opportunity uh, to to share my faith and see if God was working in their heart and I also had the uh, uh, word Patmos put on my license plate and 
instead of putting a scripture verse, people say, what does Patmos mean? And mm. I would tell them, Patmos is the island in the southwest Aegean Sea where the Apostle John was exiled for his faith, working in the salt mines, and he wrote the book of Revelation, which is about end times. And then sometimes people would say, oh, I always thought this was going to happen and that's mm. going to happen. And so there was a, there was a lot of opportunities there uh, for that. Eventually, God, uh, because of the knowledge God gave me from the... Uh, my undergraduate work ended up taking a youth pastor job at that church and I was going to seminary shortly after that and and became the senior pastor and I think we were at the church from 1988 to about 2016 on staff for about 20 years and so uh, God bless we had fruitful ministry I think I went to Haiti nine times been to the Middle East to India the slums of Mexico and all those memories and opportunities for ministry, ministry were uh, were tremendous, and we had a lot of uh, good folks around us. Yeah. And so my wife was doing some uh, ministry actually before I started. So you, first of all, to anyone who's listening, something that's really interesting that they might not know about what you said is, um, it's really uncommon for someone to stay in like a pastoral leadership for a long time. Like usually it's like two to five years. So the fact that you um, served in ministry for over 20 years is that's like really crucial to the story that we're gonna you know learn about all these things that you wish you knew in ministry like you have walked a long journey both you and your wife and um, one thing I thought was interesting about what you said Jim is that you made sure to sprinkle like conversation starters everywhere you went and that was like such a crucial tool of evangelism. And I know this wasn't one of the questions, but as people are thinking about going into ministry, I'm guessing you'd probably encourage them to do the same. Like think about where you can place like sparks of like conversation to start talking about Jesus with people in your everyday life. Yeah, and I think that's the calling. Uh, some folks are just call, called into ministry to, mm -hmm. to teach and to preach and, and, and so on, uh, even become mentors. As we age in our faith, we are supposed to be uh, become disciplers and mm -hmm. teaching the younger, the younger folks. Uh, but I never had the goal of going into ministry. I just wanted to learn as much Bible as I could so that if someone asked me a question about the Bible, then I could answer it and say, this is what the Bible says, or you can't answer that from Scripture. That was my only goal. And then hmm. the, the knowledge that God had given me put, that in, put me into ministry. But I think the, the being in business first helped me a lot uh, with dealing with people, hmm. having people skills. Because yeah. uh, church, you know, is, there's different personalities, whether it's church or the firehouse or the country club, whatever it is you're going to have difficult people and you have to learn how to deal with them because you wish them away and then God may send you two more just like them. <laughs> and it's sometimes yeah. a, a, a rough road. Yeah. So I guess it's fair to say that like everyone is called into ministry. Like we're all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to tell the good news. But for some of us, that calling um, specifically looks like working full-time in ministry. Was there something that made each of you like decide I guess besides of course the prompting of the Holy Spirit but like how did you decide to take that jump like take that leap of faith to leave business and go into ministry was it like a one-time moment or was it a slow fade of 
realizing that's what God wanted you to do. There was a couple things that people had said to me, like, "Oh, you should be a, uh, you know, you should teach Bible, or you mm. should, you know, teach at a, you know, college, that kind of thing." And it, so the wheels started turning. I went and I was talking to my pastor at the church and telling him what was going on in my life. And he said, "Jim, God's calling you into ministry." I said, well, "What mm. do you mean? God's calling you into ministry?" He said, when you have that undying desire to do nothing but talk about the Bible, he said, that's a call to ministry, mm-hmm. whether it's full time or whether it's a uh, part time, whatever it is, but God's calling you to ministry. And so that wheel started turning, you know, a little bit, a little bit faster. And then uh, at my, one of my fitness centers, I was talking to a woman who was a missionary and just going back and forth telling stories. And she said, I'm going to tell you something. God just laid this on my heart. This is just the beginning. God's going to move you into some kind of ministry. I don't know what it is, hmm. but God laid, it all, laid that on my heart. And so 10 years later, as, as I was a pastor at the church, that woman walked in and I said, do you remember coming to my fitness center? She goes, I remember the fitness center and I remember you. Wow. But I said, do you remember what you said? And she said, no, what did I say? And hmm. I told her that, you know, what, what you had said. And she said, I don't, I don't remember saying that, but, you know... There now here you are. Yeah, there, it came there, to fruition. There I was. And so obviously prayer is, is, has to be first and foremost because going into ministry, uh, it's not like social work. It's not like uh, everybody's mm. coming to church and sprinkle and pixie dust and wonderful <laughs> things. Uh, church has its difficulties no matter where you go. I have a lot of pastor friends, met a lot of missionaries all over the world, and People are people, and that sin factor always will rear its ugly head, and you you, you got to deal with that. It's yeah. just part of being in ministry. And I think I wish uh, what someone would have told me before I went into ministry was probably a class I had in seminary, which was it was entitled Dealing with Difficult People hmm. Within the Church. And it was taught by a former pastor, and I wrote a letter to the seminary and I said that you need to make this a mandatory class yeah. because it taught you how to put people into these boxes and having a little bit of a background in psychology will help you understand there's only certain personalities. And so as a pastor, you need to figure out what personality this individual has because you just can't treat everybody the same it's Hmm. the way it is you can talk to a guy once a year he thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and then you got the lady who you go to her house three times a week you feed her cat you take her to the doctors and then you miss one phone call and she leaves the church and said the pastor never spent any time with me it's just it's just the way it is and it's um it's just part of it it's just part of it so you you deal with the good you you deal with the bad and I think, well, there's a lot of takeaways from what you just said, but one right off the bat, like Jesus understood people really well and understood that no one is the same. And Jesus always spoke to different people differently and in ways that would meet people where they were at. And um, when you're in ministry or really any work, but especially ministry, which is just people, serving people, that's what you're doing. You need to um, take the time before you're diving into all the ministry work, but in order to do well in that, you need to take the time to understand people and personalities. Yeah, and I think some people, some pastors forget. You get all this knowledge, and they put themselves up on a pedestal, or people put themselves up on a pedestal. If you go back to um, John chapter thirteen, the Last Supper, they were arguing about who can be the 
you know, who's going to be the best? Who's going to be right. on your right? Who's going to be on your left? And what did Jesus do? He got down and he washed their feet, which yeah. was the job of a slave. Yeah. And what Jesus was saying is the, 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 the more that you're like him, the more you become like a servant. Mm-hmm. And so he was washing their feet. And so there were times when I had to fix the toilet. There was times yeah. on Sunday mornings, I would Saturday mornings, I would go over to the church and walk on the property. It was a pet peeve of mine and I would pick up the trash in the, on the pro, on the property, so that yeah. it looked good for church on right. Sunday, and so you you just do whatever you have to do, and there's yeah. some jobs you just don't like to do, but genuine Christians will pick up on that, hmm. and when a pastor becomes prideful and arrogant, that that's that's a bad sign, yeah. and a lot of men that was my pet peeve of leadership of men who got into like a deacon's position and became more prideful and more arrogant the more knowledge that they have when in fact they should have been more of, of a servant and more mm-hmm. humble and yeah. that was a that was a problem for me yeah because doesn't i'm gonna par- paraphrase this verse but the bible says like that god desires a con like a contrite heart and a humble spirit and sometimes we forget that so anyone listening if you have a pastor or a youth pastor you should probably a have some grace for them and empathy and understanding that what they do is hard and we need to not be the difficult people that our leaders are serving, um, as well as understanding that people are people and broken. Um, And there was one more thing I wanted to highlight that you said a a little bit earlier about like taking the leap into ministry. Um, One thing that you mentioned was that there were people who spoke that into you. So I think for anyone listening, because I know we have a lot of like older high school students and college students, it's really important to have people that you trust and that you know listen to the word of God and listen to God's voice that are speaking into you, because um, maybe there, maybe God's going to use them to tell you something, because um, that's one way that God speaks to us. So it's really powerful that that's one way that you ended up where you are now was because of the words of knowledge and wisdom from people above you. Um, yeah, and you have to have a, a mentor no matter how old you get into ministry. I had three mentors. Uh, one of them ha- has passed on. And my one of my favorites is a guy, he just retired a couple months ago at age 90. And he just kept going. He was a street evangelist. Uh, he just said, I want to go to I can't go anymore. And when I first met him, I said, you, you should be down in Florida sitting on, sitting on the beach with your <laughs> sandals on. And he said, God has given me all this wisdom and all this knowledge. I'm going to go to I can't go anymore. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of the attitude that I took for myself. Um, but also um, realizing that when you have a difficult de- decision to make, he's going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. And I think that accountability. He, he, yes. Even as a senior pastor, I would have to call him and say, this is my situation. What, what should I do? I just yeah. need another perspective. And he always told me what, what had to be said and not what I wanted to hear. And that's yeah. what scripture says. You gather people around you to give you what your itchy ears want to hear, but that may not be what God wants you to do. Yeah. So it's, super important to have a mentor and as you um, get further in your faith journey to also mentor people behind you um, and be praying that God can give you people to speak into you and people that you can speak life into as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about families in ministry and um, specifically like a marriage situation. So If you feel, if you're someone listening and you feel this tug on your heart to go into ministry full time and you might have 
a boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance or a spouse. Um, a, is it important that your spouse is also called into ministry or can you do that calling alone? And B, like, how do you know if your spouse is called into ministry? Because that's, you know, it's tricky. We hear about it all the time, pastor's wives or pastor's husbands, and it's like, man, it's it's sticky. So does your spouse need, in your opinion, be called into ministry? Yeah, you, you, both, you, know? you both have to be called because uh, ministry is difficult. And when one, if your spouse is not called, it's going to be, it's going to be hard from the get go. Mm -hmm. And I think as far as children are concerned, you have to try to keep their lives as normal as possible. And if God's calling you say halfway across the country, that's a family decision. And I've seen uh, young people that were resentful towards their towards their father who became a pastor because they moved and they all their friends as teenagers all their friends yeah. are now gone they have to start life over and they became very resentful and very rebellious and one of the things you said earlier about staying in, in the same church for 20 years on staff uh, part of that was I'm going to make it through the tough times because I wanted my children to go through the same school system and all three of my children went through the same school system yes. and had good experience all, with all school. the methodists listening will, yeah. are shaking their fists at that yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of methodists who listen yeah. it's sad how do you know if your spouse is called into ministry i mean it's probably simple and similar to what you said before but well it's something that you you have in in your prayer time and what do you think about this do you think mm -hmm. this is a good idea the going in as a youth pastor uh, was probably an easier decision because my wife's worked with kids since 1988 and she loved working with the pioneers you want to talk about the, the okay. yeah 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 tell us as the spouse <laughs> hi this is wendy <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while to get my courage up to talk because I'm not a speaker. I'm not your typical pastor's wife. Good. And that's probably why when you say, is your spouse okay with going into ministry, it really kind of started where he was, yes, he said he wanted to answer the Bible questions and he went back to school and went online and started working um, and obviously got college credits. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, perhaps you want to get a degree in that. And that opened the door um, for myself. I never, and my mom would always say, do you ever think you could be a pastor's <laughs> wife? No. I just never thought I could because it's just not, didn't seem like my calling. Um, I was a dance teacher. I had my <laughs> own hair salon. So I'm not your typical, stereotypical choir leading, standing up front. I'm a very back, like, sit in the back. Uh, I'll clean the toilets. Nobody has to know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. However, I do enjoy children, and I did pioneers and um, pioneer clubs and Sunday school and vacation Bible school for almost 30 years, and that's where and my... We did the math. It was longer. <laughs> <laughs> that's where my heart was, because I even did that yeah. in high school. Um, but just to say about being a pastor's wife, I always felt like I never, oh gosh, I'm not sure I can meet the mark of that. Mm. As years went on, people would say to me, you're not your normal pastor's wife. Well, of course I'm not because I didn't set out to be one, Yeah. but I was very relatable mm -hmm. and nothing that they could tell me be just being a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. Um, nothing they could tell me could shock me, could, um, throw me. I certainly don't would ever never want to 
would never want to be judgmental. Sure. Um, so I think being exposed to the real world and then going into ministry, it kind of opened my eyes because I experienced a lot, but yet I had self-doubt of, gee, um, could I be a pastor's wife? I, mm-hmm. I didn't feel... It just didn't come from that stereotypical mold. Sure. But he can use anyone. God can use anyone. And yes, I think your spouse does have to support you because being a pastor's wife, you are, um, there are a lot of evenings and just obligations or... Your weekends. um, Or Weekends, working, or just um, things that come up um, in the middle of the night, unexpected, Mm -hmm. that people need you. So um, you have to be very flexible and... um, I think it's a family decision. Yeah. If, if, well, if the children children are old enough to be a family and decision, but a husband think, and wife decision. Yeah. What, what's really interesting from hearing from both of you is like it's really clear that if God calls one of you into ministry, like God's going to call both of you into ministry, and God will give you dreams and passions um, that the Lord's placed on your heart, and. Um, for each of you. So like for you, it was preaching and evangelizing and sharing this in the Bible, Jim. And for you, it was like pouring into children and to young people. And maybe being in the background was your avenue of ministry because there's people in the background who need to, like Jesus went to the, to the well at noon. Like that's such a background thing to do. Um, and there's beautiful moments that can happen behind the scenes that need to happen. So God places each of us, you know, some are the, the Bible uses the metaphor, some are the ears, some are the eyes, the hands, the feet. So like we all make up the body of Christ. And so your spouse is part of that too. Um, you look like you had something else you wanted yeah, to add just, to that. Yeah, I just, you know, we're always in prayer when decisions have to be made, made, especially difficult decisions. So when I was 35, I was a youth pastor, loved working with the high school kids, the college kids. I just, I just, it was fun mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I preached only a couple of times a year and my wife would tell me to stop talking so fast, but I had so much to say because I only got to preach a couple of times a year. Yeah. So the <laughs> senior pastor, uh, he moved on. He went to a mission group in Buffalo. So we were, uh, was there with another associate pastor and they said, well, do, do you want to be the senior pastor? You have your seminary degree. Because I had just finished it, ironically, a month previous. Oh, yeah, and that was a qualification to be senior pastor. And I was like, no, I'm too young. He was 55. I'm 35. I just did not want mm. that position. I, I didn't think I was ready for it. Uh, That's you how had young to, you have to be to be president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. 35, yeah. And you and I had to preach twice a week. What I'm going to run out of things to say. Mm-hmm. And all these things are going through my head. But my excuse was... I'm young, I'm young, I'm too young, too young, too young. And when they asked me, I said, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too young. And so then a couple of months had gone by and my wife and I were praying. She said, well, maybe, you know, we should pray. Maybe God wants you to take this position. I said, okay, let, let's do a Gideon. We'll ask for a sign. And I don't encourage folks to do this all the time. Yeah. But when you're making a major decision like this, I think it's okay to ask God for mm-hmm. a sign. Sure. And so this is what my wife and I agreed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a pulpit committee that had been formed and searching for the senior pastor. And we said, okay, the next person that I talk to and they say something in regards to me putting in my resume. Okay. And if it's positive, I put my resume in. And mm-hmm. if it's negative, we'll continue just being the youth pastor and filling in the pulpit sure. until they fill that position. The next morning, one of the older oh, women, no. women from the uh, uh, pulpit committee came, knocked on the door, 
And I opened it, and she said, oh, I just finished my prayer time, got a message for you from God, oh, gosh. and your excuse for being too young is invalid. And she shut the door and walked away. <gasps> and my wife began to cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's even more specific than a resume. Yeah. God went right to the point. Yeah. Oh, wow. So sometimes God makes it really clear, a little bit clearer than we'd even <laughs> like God to. Um, but that's powerful. Like just going off of what you said earlier, how God can use other people to be a mouthpiece. Um, so that woman, I'm sure you both could thank her and slap her across the face (laughs) for what she started in your lives. Um, I'm wondering how much would you recommend incorporating your children in what you do or safeguarding them from what you do in ministry? I think we we try to keep uh, allow our kids to live as normal lives as possible, not making them weird pastor kids. Which some pastors, some right, they didn't have to go to everything. Mm -hmm. And and my oldest uh, was able to go when I was youth pastor. We did a lot of outings, all nighters, and bowling, and ice skating, and so he was allowed to tag along. So he benefited from that when I was when I was the um, the youth pastor. And so, you know, I kind of wish I still was youth pastor when my kids mm-hmm. got old enough for junior high, senior high, et cetera, but it, did, it didn't work out that way. Yeah. And uh, sometimes the youth pastor would treat my kids different because they were the pastor's kids and they should be a certain yeah. way. But my, my kids didn't act up. They, were, they, they did well, uh, but that's not always the case. Sometimes the pastor's kids can be uh, difficult. Didn't have a lot of restrictions on them i mean we had normal restrictions but allowed them to live their lives and listen to music and you know go to a dance and and be be kids kids and go to the movies and have friends and um i think you gain trust that way i think when you take all that away it makes them for lack of better words resentful or odd yeah. So, you know, you want them to be a light. You want them to have good, you know, companions and company. You also want them to, you know, hey, invite your kids, to, your friends to youth group, but which they did, which was yeah. fun. But um, we just always let them be who they wanted to be, play sports, do this, you know, yeah. do that. However, whatever worked out, we didn't. Um, and there were some, I, growing up as myself, um, being a woman, I did see a lot of, if the doors were open, the pastor's kids were there, mm. um, be it prayer meeting, Bible study, whatever it was, any time of day, night, whatever. And I'm not sure how healthy that was because I think now seeing adults who have grown that life are resentful. Yeah, and the church probably should have never even made these stereotypes and expectations on the spouses and the children. Like, that's not fair, <laughs> and it wasn't right. Um, how do you handle, this is my last question about family, um, before we get to the last few questions, but how do you handle that feeling of being on display as a family in ministry? Do you just ignore it <laughs> or what do you do Well, it, it's it? there and, and we knew it was going to be there and that was something that we, yeah. we talked about and we tried to deal with each situation, uh, as they came along. We really didn't have, um, many issues our, our kids weren't rebellious. They weren't resentful. They were, they were respectful. And, you know, they came to church on Sunday. They did, they did, did go to youth group and 
mission trips. We did a lot of mission work yeah. through our church, and and we, we, owe, we weren't in the parsonage. Yeah, we. Accessible. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. a big deal. Like we we were yes. offered the parsonage, which was right next to the church. And my wife said no, because then you don't have that quiet time. And one of the things the previous pastor had told me that people would come over after church and they would be there all day, or they would come any, all mm-hmm. hours of the night. So we had our own home already and we decided which was a a great decision that we were going to stay in our home and then they could leave the parsonage for an assistant pastor that came along down the road which is what happened and so that was able to kind of you know shelter our family from you know at least having that one day or two where nobody would yeah privacy privacy Privacy. um sometimes in ministry and I guess in any job, but specifically in the church work, like sometimes we get hurt by people that we love. <laughs> does that sound, does that feel familiar, foreign? How do we handle that in ministry? Yeah, I mean, it's harder in ministry because people go to church to be built up, to be encouraged, and we have, we're, we're supposed to be like-minded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not that it's, just because you're a church person doesn't mean I have to go fishing with you if you're not a fisherman or play yeah. golf, that that kind of thing. So when someone in the church hurts you it hurts a little bit more because mm. church people know better if they stab yeah. you in the back Quote and gossip and etc and i work in the secular world now and if you're not nice to somebody they're not talking to you in the, in the <laughs> church you're almost required to talk to everybody so yeah. uh, you have to deal with the situations you pray about them and you just you you just take to heart and say this guy is just uh, not a nice individual, and I'm just going to um, it goes back be cordial. To understanding the yeah. different personalities yeah. and, and having grace. Move on from there. You can't. I can't change them, and I'm going to be cordial. How often do, have you had in the last, you know, 20 plus years, had to hold your tongue in ministry and not get to share your side? Like, you know, there's this this feeling we have as humans is justice. Like, I need to share my side of the story. Um, but in ministry, sometimes we we like practically speaking can't do that and how do you handle that well there were times where you felt like you wanted to handle it but i think jim and i both had the same mindset of yeah we work you know with the people and for the people but really i would say to people to somebody who i was having a difficult time with sometimes jesus is my boss that's really who i have to answer to it's not our church we don't own it we don't um and you know kind of how you have to look at it and I never took myself too seriously as as far as being a pastor's wife I never kind of really called myself that I wanted to be mm. as um relatable like I said as as I can but we both agreed on um also with with going through hurt yeah you should you know always in your time forgive but it doesn't mean restoration it doesn't mean I have to have you over for dinner. It doesn't mean I have to be your best friend. But I will forgive you for what you did. I will be cordial. I will be friendly. I will yeah. reach out to you. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to be your you know, best friend. But I think sometimes going into ministry, you expect more from people because they are Christians. Yeah. Um, this isn't a question that I wrote down. Ooh. But I think it could kind of be what wraps up our time. Um I just am wondering, and I don't like to use this word, um, but I think it's, it would be interesting to hear, like, 
what are some and they don't have to be deep but like if you could look back and be like maybe use the word regrets or like things that you could change um that you would tell the younger you to do differently knowing what you know now about ministry other than run no i'm kidding <laughs> yeah i mean when trouble troubled comes if you're if you're preaching the gospel and your church is doing the lord's work mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be attacked you yeah. know it's a spiritual battle that goes it goes sometimes day to day and some of the problems just seem overwhelming but as each problem comes along i i think i will be more assertive to deal with it right then and right there Mm. Uh, sometimes we try to keep peace in the church because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We don't want to, if, uh, if that family leaves and this family will leave and you know, what will we do if, if somebody is doing something that is sinful and it's going to hurt the church from that, you know, outsiders looking in, mm-hmm. it has to be dealt with, but it has to be done with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And on occasion, the individual or individuals would say, you know what, we, we, we were wrong, we apologize. And sometimes they'll get angry and curse at you and throw you out of their house. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. But you have to do what God wants you to do, but always with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, sometimes these individuals will come back. And one of the examples was a guy who's a close friend of mine that I actually fish with now. Uh, I told him that he couldn't go on this mission trip because of something that was going on in his life. And he was very angry. And his dad wasn't a Christian. His dad came to my office hmm. and said, how come my son gets in trouble? He's 35 years old. I mean, how come he gets in trouble? Yeah. He can't do what he's doing. Yeah. And But his dad said, I respect that then. Hmm. And, this was, and, the, and then he started to come to church. The dad did. Wow. And the fellow who I had to talk to is one of my still one of my best friends wow. in the last 25 years and uh but if you if you do that and you deal with it i think it doesn't build up yeah. because it's going to happen you get clicks in your church and somebody doesn't like what you're doing or whatever you try to deal with them as soon as they come along because they're going to just fester and make things worse down the road yeah and gosh i guess we all should do that in our everyday life too <laughs> that's a pretty like light pretty valuable life lesson as far as myself i don't think i regret anything i think god put us through yeah um everything that we've gone through in our church life in our personal life um for a reason to grow and how can you be a comforter if you've never been in need of comfort I think there's a mm. lot of things that we've been through in our um, in our time in ministry and out of ministry that I don't. If I took it out, I don't think I could would be the person I am today mm. of how God wants to mold me to be. And I still have a lot more work to do. I will. I'll never attain to get there. It's always a work in progress. Yeah. But I don't think I would re- change anything. Mm. Now I know the 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 experience and wisdom that God has given me. Uh, by his by his grace and grace is my key word now we we left the church that we were at for since 1988 yeah. to 2016 i guess and we, you know it's heartbreaking and we moved on i ended up getting a job with hospice now, hospice is a secular um, job work with a lot of it was a, just a wake-up call for me i was back in the secular world and yeah. you know the foul language and the coarse joke all those things and i just accepted everybody where they were yep. but so now i'm getting into homes of people that have a christian background that stop going to church for whatever reason and it gives me a tremendous opportunity i'm back into evangelism because someone mm-hmm. in that home was just told you have six months or less to live and so the opportunities for the gospel are tremendous and now, pro- approaching 30 years of ministry, I've officiated 
almost 500 memorial services. And we kind of did the math on that a little bit. Sometimes only two people came and sometimes 1,500 people came. Mm-hmm. And every, every, every opportunity was to preach the gospel. And people yeah. would call. They were either somebody that was homeless or on Medicaid or had no pastor. Uh, can you help us out? And all the funeral directors had my number. And it was kind of a ministry for me. Mm-hmm. So we did the math on, on that many f- uh, memorial services. And it would be over 20,000, give or take, that heard the gospel message. And wow. we feel blessed that God's using that knowledge. I don't get to teach like I used to, but I get to answer questions. I'm back to where mm, I was teaching. before I went into, uh, before I actually went into ministry. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is so full circle. Yeah. So the very first question was like, how'd you take that leap? And you're like, well, I just love talking about the Bible. And then God like took you on this roller coaster of ministry. And here you are back doing exactly what, like, the beginning of your faith journey you want it to do exactly and that's the dream that god had for you that god laid on your heart and that now you're still doing it so that's pretty cool um wow any last you might have said everything you want to say but any last pieces of wisdom or advice or anything that you'd want to share (laughs) to anyone listening um we have a lot of young people and like um young youth leaders who listen um Anything you'd say to someone? Yeah, it's, it, you spend time in God's Word, you spend time in prayer, and listen to that still small voice of God. And, and your heart may be telling you to go one direction, but God may be preparing you for something else. Mm-hmm. And when you're going through a difficult time, that means He's preparing you for something. Hmm. And you look at the life of Joseph, everything that happened to him was a preparation. He would never have been able to be the second most powerful man in the world at age 17 because he Hmm. was prideful and arrogant and his brothers hated him and he just a full circle that he went and that forgiveness that he gave to his brothers. But if he hadn't gone through all those difficulties, he would never have understood that God was preparing him for a greater ministry. Yeah. What you intended for bad, God intended yeah, for Exactly. Good. You guys look up the second half of Genesis all the way to the end. That's the story of Joseph. It's yeah. a really quick read and really, really powerful. Um, well, thank you both so much for being here in your home <laughs> and for letting me ask you all these questions. Um, we really appreciate it, and uh, we love you guys, and you're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.